1: episode 188 of Losing a Child, Always Andy's Mom. I'm Marcy Larson, Andy's mom. And today I have with me my husband, Eric, Andy's dad.
0: Hello. You may have heard me from the beginning of the show (laughs) and the end, I suppose.
1: Yep, that's Eric. So this is our episode that we talked about doing um, the last couple of months, actually, and this was Eric's idea. So if it goes great... We give him all the credit. If it goes terribly, I guess he gets all the blame as well. But this is the Ask Me Anything episode. So if you don't remember or if you haven't been paying attention in the last couple of months, we've been asking for you to submit questions. If you have questions for me, you submitted them to Eric. And if you and if you had questions for Eric, you submitted them to me. Almost all of the questions came to me, actually. I don't know. I think they don't know very much about you and everybody feels like they know everything about me or something. I think
0: that's probably true. Yes. I'm very mysterious.
1: Yes, I think so. Um, But actually, a lot of the questions that came to me are kind of for both of us. And so a lot of people said, I don't really know who to send this to because it's kind of for both of you. Um, But here we go. So the first question is from Emma. And Emma writes, I have a question for Eric for your Ask Me Anything episode. How do you keep Andy with you personally and as a family as time moves on? And what things do you do to keep him present in your life? And just so you know, Eric has not heard any of these questions before, so he's getting just... He has to get some time to think about it, too.
0: I'm being ambushed. Yeah. Uh, but this is actually how I thought it should should work, uh. and so it should be more spontaneous. Uh, so, I, you know, it's funny. I don't think there's anything I intentionally do to keep Andy present. He's just always present. And even when I'm – I mean, at all times. I feel I think of him many, many times throughout the day when I'm in the shower, or and I just get um, – I don't know, just a little bit upset that he's not around for something, or I think about – how I wish I could do something with him. Um, so I, there's nothing in specific that I do, like a ritual or anything like that, that I do that to to keep him around. Because I think I just it's just not a problem. There are times when I feel like, and I I don't know. I mean, you probably feel this too, where you kind of feel he's uh, that you've forgotten him. Like you're having you're laughing too much, or something, and then you feel like um, that he's that you're not. Paying him proper, um, I guess you're not know, being. You know, you're not expressing your, 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 the sadness you should have all the time, and um, and so I definitely have that at times where I feel like, all right, I got to stop joking around at work or something like that because, or I'll even feel like I'm too normal, and then just kind of like myself, which is, you know, I don't usually feel all the time. Uh, so you know, in his family. I think we, you know, we certainly struggled that. I think we were probably more intentional about it initially the first few years, like birthdays and holidays and stuff. And now I think it's a little bit, I don't know, it's it's a little bit less of that, where I don't think we have as set plans as we, as we did before.
1: Well, and I think I'm like extra emotional this week because it's Andy's birthday mm-hmm. in just three days. And it really just bothers me so much. And you know, I don't know who remembers. I don't know. I mean, we'll still get a birthday cake this week, but like we kind of always do. And I've just found myself just crying and crying this week because I just miss him so much. Um, And finally, we are doing a few things too that I think this would be appropriate time to talk about. A few things that we're doing intentionally to try to remember him, you know, so this year's the first year that we were made the Andy Larson, um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: yeah, we have a scholarship in his name. What did we call it now? I, um, the teammate award. Um, sorry, I'm just so emotional. I just can't, but the Andy Larson teammate award. So this past week, we got the submissions for all the kids that were nominated for that. And, um, that was, you know, that was emotional mm-hmm. to read yeah. those and to think about doing something kind of in his name like that. Um, we finally, too, we, you know, we've had the Andy Larson Memorial Concert. has been supposed to happen since March of 2020. So everybody knows what happened in March of 2020, and the world's never been the same since that stupid pandemic. And... um. Finally, I think we're starting to maybe be in the early stages of really planning that and having that happen. At the end of this year, it won't be till December, but, you know, that's looking like it might happen now. I mean, there are a lot of things that that we had wanted to do to remember him that because of the pandemic hasn't been able to happen, I think. Right? I mean, we still... People donated money at the... Uh, the golf course where we go because Andy was on the like junior kids golf team and um, they donated money to plant a tree and we've still not planted the tree and that bothers me like a lot I go out to the golf course and I feel like you know people money donated money to plant a tree and we haven't even done it yet because you know what just I don't know it's just it's, time goes by and things don't happen and
0: yeah and I, it's funny I think about the trees when I go golfing and I think to myself all they do is seem to be cutting down trees all the time so I'd hate that'd be even worse if you planted a tree and then and then they cut it, it, it down wrong place and they have to cut it down you know um one thing that's totally different between Marcy and me obviously is and this is something that drove Andy crazy is that I don't I don't have as much problem with things coming up you know, as far as like a vacation's coming up, and people are like, "How are you feeling? Are you excited to have for going on vacation two days?" I'm like, "I guess," until I actually it happens. It doesn't really the lead up isn't doesn't bother me or get me as excited as I should be. Yeah, <laughs> but I used like... to
1: drive drive Andy crazy. Yeah. So, you know, Valeriano, we had our last family vacation was a make a wish trip because our foster son Valeriano had had a kidney transplant oh. and he was finally like really healthy, and so we could finally do his make-a-wish trip because you can't really do a -a make-a-wish trip when a kid's on dialysis. And so we went to the Florida Keys and it was a really cool trip, right? I mean, we got to take a limo to the airport. It was... And Eric just wasn't excited. And... (laughs) And I wish I always wished that you would fake it or something because Andy would always be so bothered by the fact that he didn't... I mean, honestly, I think he thought maybe you didn't even really want to go on vacation with us because you'd always be like, eh, you know. And I knew you were happy and you wanted to go, but, you know, Andy would, like, be jumping up and down, so excited for, you know, weeks, kind of. And... Yeah, and Eric would just be, eh. So I think that means these anniversary dates and all this kind of stuff, it doesn't, like, you don't have the dread that I do.
0: No, I don't have the meetups for the week before or day before even. And, um, yeah, it's a yeah, blessing it's and a just- curse, right? I mean, I think, you know, kind of hits me all at once, but I don't, I, you know, I was a kid at Christmas. I was perfectly content just waiting till Christmas opened the presents. It's not like I had to sneak in, look at them ahead of time. I don't know. It's just been, just who I am, so. Um, but it is a challenge, I would think, I think as we grieve sometimes, because look at, look at the difference right here. This is a big difference, but I would say the difference for both of us is I think we're comfortable with one being in distress and the other not, and I shouldn't say like it's okay, but it's sort of like crying doesn't bother me. Like it used used to, like, um, no,
1: I mean, I'm glad you're not bothered, but but sometimes it does bother me a little bit that you don't. Of course.
0: Yeah. I think, you know, when you're sad, you want other people to be sad with you. That's part of remembering.
1: Right. Yeah. Right. And, the, yeah, and then it feels like the experience is totally different, you know? Mm-hmm. Which it is in many, many ways. So should I um, ask
0: one, since I've got a couple?
1: Well, yeah, okay. To, oh, no, go ahead. I kind of feel you're like I should ask a couple because you have so fewer, This you is know? like
0: Christmas where I only two presents i know (laughs) i've got i've got more for you so
1: um so this one is from sam's mom so it says uh has eric learned anything from the difference between your grief and his grief that might enable me to help sam's dad we are divorced but very close friends and spend a lot of time together i'm the talker and communicator he's the quiet one Sam lived with him and I know he struggles, um, he struggles with guilt. So any thought on that? And, and I wanted to go to that one, honestly, because I feel like it was very related to what we were already talking about. Yeah,
0: no, I think so.
1: The fact that we're so different and how, how can you help the other one when your grief looks so different?
0: I mean, it is very different. I think, you know, The obviously the first thing is to recognize that it's, that it is different and that, you know, although you may say, oh, this person's not sad, they are, you know, just because they're not weeping and wailing it does not mean they're not very sad. Um, and I think, I don't know, it's for, as far as for me, I, I can compartmentalize things a lot better than you for whatever reason. It's just, you know, for good or bad. And so I can be sort of sad for a little bit and then I can just sort of move into a different space and not be quite so sad. I mean, I much better now than I was before it was... You know all the time um, and so I think you know that I think the important thing is to recognize that there that people are different and to but to not be afraid to talk about talk about things and to um and to just make people feel safe and comfortable I mean I don't know that the relationship between your, your ex-husband is you know makes things more complicated up just in and of itself but uh, I think that's the important thing. And then just not push people. I think, you know, that's the other thing, too. So, you know, if someone doesn't want to talk about something or – but you can also just – you can you can maybe just focus on just talking about fun things. And what oftentimes I think happens when you talk about good memories is there will be, you know, inevitably the conversation will go somewhere else and and you might be able to explore some other parts of, you know, grief or whatever. And so I've – you know, when I talk to people about – I I have a – one of my Bible said I have a, a guy who – lost his son. He's an older son, but he lost him. And, um, so we've been, we talked about that briefly, but you know, you have to kind of go where people are too, where they, where they are in their. And so I think you can't push too much. You offer some, you know, empathy is probably the biggest thing. And to just, re- and to again, realize that people are different and they're not going to show their grief the same way. And they may, not, that may not be the right time. Uh, but also to make it feel, make them feel safe so that if they do feel that way they can, you know, express themselves. I mean, I feel we went to a dinner a couple about a month ago or so where this couple was talking about the death of their daughter, I think. I think it was a daughter um, at the at that dinner. Wasn't it? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And and you know, I'm just sitting there and it's so funny because now I look back and if, before Andy had passed away, had I just been like crying for one thing that just never would have happened in public. <laughs> But now, not only does it not bother me, but I actually, I actually really don't like wiping my eyes. I really just love the tears just gushing down and just kind of, um, but and then just sort of just being overwhelmed by it and just being okay with that. Um, and then just like after the story's done or whatever, and I'm I'm kind of through that, you know, because of course you obviously relate to that. I mean, that's now there's that a sad story. It, it's sad because you've felt sad because you've lived it, right? You've, you've, felt you've sadness, lived it, right? That's yeah. why all stories are powerful too, is because you've some part of it is actually line up with you in your life at some point. Right. And so, um, now those obviously hit closer to home. So, uh, but even right after, not right after, but after soon afterwards, I'm talking to another mother who I knew she was a nurse who lost her daughter, um, recently. And, um, anyway, we were just, I was talking, she was still very sad. She's you know only less than a year out. So I think she's little, just generally just kind of more just more openly sad about it. And she's just different in the way she responds. But anyway, you know I could still communicate and I could kind of be in a different space and so I think you have to accept that people can kind of move from different spaces a little bit more too um, so that because it would seem weird like someone like you know crying as much as I was and then ten minutes later sort of just having a regular conversation and I, that used to bother me much more than it does now but I think I think the thing is really too is just to make sure that they're comfortable um, recognizing that whatever they're feeling is okay right I mean I think you I think I know you talk about that a lot on your show but It really is very true, and that you you can't make people feel a certain way. Like it, you know, you're really really sad, and you can't. It's not fair to make someone else make sure they're really really sad, and to be okay with that. No,
1: but I do think that telling your if it's your husband or ex husband or whoever, just being open on what you're feeling and what you might need is it really important too. And I don't. And I, so, you know, like right now, for me saying, like, you're totally fine. You know, Andy's birthday's in three days. I'm a mess and you're not. And for me to say, it kind of bugs me that you're not. And I need a few more hugs in the next few days. And this is what I need, even though I know that it's not bothering you like it's bothering me. I still need that from you. And so I think that's, It's important to know that they may not need it. But it's also like if you do, you do. You know, I think to be able to say that, for me to say to Eric, hey, I'm a hot mess. You've got to give me some grace the whole week. And maybe he's only going to be a hot mess on Friday. And maybe he won't even be a hot mess all day Friday. But, you know, it's just...
0: Yep. No, I think you have to... I think just being
1: honest... With, it's it's kind of bugging me a little bit, you know. Yeah. All right. Okay. Do you want to go on to the next question?
0: Sure. Uh, this is from Dina. Is it? Yeah. So, uh, uh, just wondering. Uh, I re- wondering if you touch on how Peter talks about Andy. So it's been four and a half years. We're approaching five years soon, and just discussing that her daughter died in 2018 so it's about the same timeline almost the same time yeah and uh, she has a uh, son was uh, eight and she when she was six and he doesn't talk about her much and so um you know it makes it, it hurts and you know the, she would she witnessed uh he witnessed this trauma too i guess lost his yeah. sister an accident and you know they were close and they were really close friends right and so that we talk about that all the time with with peter and andy and so you know what is it like for peter he's he's obviously a little older than her kids were but by a few years he was about four years older i think um
1: yeah because in this in this example it was cora and Cora's brother was eight and peter was 12 when andy died and it was his big brother not his little sister but
0: still they're friends yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, still, she writes. They're built-in buddies. So, you know, and I would call. I mean, Peter and Andy were best friends.
0: Yeah. Best friends. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I don't. I don't know. I mean, that's. Yeah. I've, I've thought about this question for a while, and I. I don't have a really good answer, which is kind of disappointing. I. I mean. I know it, it bothers. We,
1: it bothers me that when the kids don't. They don't talk about them because they don't talk about them very much
0: they don't yeah I think but I mean I think every it, once in a while it bothers it bothers his sister a lot I think that's probably why he partially why he doesn't but I mean, when when we talk about Andy he doesn't seem like he has to change the conversation he's he'll talk about him sometimes but I don't know it's not something we really spend a whole lot of time talking about and I don't know I, I don't
1: I mean I know, close I, and I know I, he's
0: I, I know he saw a lot he did
1: he did. And it's it's something I struggle with whether we're doing things right and whether we should be What's somehow wrong? somehow doing things differently because it's it's so hard to know. He still does bring him up. He talks about him, but it's in very much in a casual conversation that he'll be brought up, Andy would have done this, or Andy might have liked this, or something, Um, but it doesn't happen that often. It's just hard now, I think, because, you know, he's a couple years older than Andy ever was, right? He's growing up, and he never saw Andy as a 16-year-old boy. Andy, I mean, for a while, those first two years, he still had his brother to, like, kind of live up to, and still sort of strive to be like well he's outgrown him in a way and that does make me sad mm-hmm. but it's not totally unexpected right and now he's talking about his big brother who never got to be as old and mature as he is peter's driving a car to school every day peter's you know junior in high school on the golf team he's like a leader in some areas this this is not something he ever got to see his brother do. So, and that, you know, I wouldn't expect this Peter to still think of 14-year-old, you know, just leave an 8th grade Andy in the same way. Right? Yeah. I mean, it's different in some ways for his sister, I think, because she was always the older one, and so... He, he was always smaller than her, littler than her, and younger than her. Um. And she still is very much bothered by just, like you said, even bringing him up. Mm-hmm. Um, Just, it's funny because she didn't witness the accident like Peter did. But in some ways, I think it was even a little more traumatic for her because she wasn't there and she didn't see it and she didn't experience it. She was just at home and then suddenly like her whole life's changed and everything as she thought she knew wasn't and she didn't even get to see it happen. She's just like, I mean, it was horrible to see it happen and to be there, but in many ways, like, I feel bad for the families who aren't there and just all of a sudden, you know, there's closure. Right. And in a way, I mean, at least I can think back on that and experience and having lived it when you haven't even lived it and you still have to kind of bring it in and find a way to accept it as a reality when you didn't witness it. Some ways I think it makes it worse. And I didn't know that at the time. I didn't.
0: No, i was really way blessing, more worried
1: right? i was way more worried about peter i thought i thought our daughter was really blessed to have not been there and in some ways was but in many others it was hard i mean we were at least together as a family when we found out andy was dead i mean she was alone pretty much you know yeah
0: I think it's, just, it's a reflection, too, of how people deal differently, and your kids are going to be different, too, I imagine, by the, either by their relationship or their sort of their personalities and sort of how they react to things. And so, I mean, this is a struggle, right? I mean, not only you do not not know how you should deal with grief, you don't know how you should help your spouse. You I don't know how to help your kids. kids. I mean, I think, and they're all different, and I don't think there's probably right answer for a lot of the things. That's my guess, because...
1: <laughs> Right. And I think now to your question and your son, your son, who is eight years old, who is now, I imagine, let's see. I mean, it's almost five years ago. So, you know, 12, 13 years old. Well, how much is he going to talk about a six-year-old girl in some ways, right? He's, you know, you're starting to get those preteen, teen teen years and you get pretty self-absorbed. And like, if he had a six-year-old sister now, you wouldn't expect him to probably pay much attention to her at all so obviously he would have had she grown older with him but she didn't and it's I don't know I don't know it's hard it's it's interesting too and because I I just got an email today this is definitely different than what I normally do but I got an email today from a man whose wife had died and his daughter his teenage daughter wrote a book on her grief and they were asking about being on the podcast and I'm trying to think about it, but I kind of think, I think maybe I should, even though it's not a child and we're not talking, you know, we're talking about a girl and her mom, but I thought, how many questions do I get on how do I help my teenager who is in deep, deep grief? And this is a teenager who was getting no help, in her grief at all so she decided to write about it and write a book trying to tell people how to help teenagers so I thought goodness she may be perfect
0: yeah
1: anyway I don't I don't know that that helps answer the question because I think we've both had struggles with it
0: to be honest do we have any multiple choice questions that were I know no I don't think so Mm
1: -hmm. I don't think so okay um here's a question from Dana um. Oh, I've got to. So this is another one I'm going to. Uh, so Dana has been on the podcast. She's Brogan's mom. Um, and she has been listening for a long time, and um, she talked about how we said that we went to therapy together. We didn't exactly go to therapy together. We actually went to only one therapy session together, and it was kind of – it was not
0: good. It was weird. It was really weird. It was was weird.
1: But we did go to a support group together, so I think that's what she's meaning because we did go to support group together. And she said she was so impressed with the fact that you went to the support group with me and said, My husband is just the opposite. He'll talk about Brogan every once in a while. He won't open up about his feelings. He absolutely won't go to therapy, although I've asked a number of times. He says he doesn't need someone telling him how to feel, and he doesn't need to talk to anyone who didn't know Brogan. He gives me grief, for lack of a better word, about seeing my psychiatrist and taking antidepressants. He has the old man man mentality. Don't talk about your problems, feelings. Don't need help. Therapy's a joke. So here's my loaded question, she said. One,
0: how do I change? How do approach? I
1: get him to open up? Two, how can I get him to seek help? Three, how can I help him? go, Eric. Uh,
0: so we'll assume at this point that you think he needs help that he's that he's bottling things up and he's not dealing with them. he's not really moving along. He's just kind of trying to push things aside and just kind of just drive through, which I totally get i th- I think that is That's the my assumption. Hunch. I mean, I. Now that could be also your impression, you don't know for sure, but you probably have a, some idea. Um, so this is my, so I'll be honest, like I, if you had talked to me a few months before Andy passed away, there is no way I would ever go to anyone and talk about my feelings or to go to therapy or go to, a th- I don't understand, I'm like, that's why you have friends, so you don't have to go pay someone to talk to, I don't understand. That. And so that, that was just my my feeling. and. You know, when I started doing Bible study, actually, probably about 10 years ago, uh, I was very uncomfortable in these small groups to talk about, you know, like give your answer. But then there are also other questions like you have to apply to your life what you, you know, what the, the reading or whatever. And um, so it was really hard for me to do those sorts of things. And then eventually I sort of realized at some point that in many ways, no one there really cares. I mean, they do, but they don't. You know, I don't know them, right? And so... You can kind of get away with saying whatever you want, and so then when I was in the small group for, so we went to the therapist, for, and that was just weird. It, I don't, I, I, don't know how to describe it except that I think it, we just weren't the right, the right fit. Well, but I didn't feel the like. The other
1: did... thing is, Andy died on a Wednesday, and we were there like the next Tuesday or yeah. something. I mean, it was like super soon. I, I think
0: it was just the wrong person too, and I think it's the wrong approach, and I think just.
1: She's, she was, she knelt in front of us, and she crouched, actually, in yeah, front it was, of us it the was entire bit, hour. It was really weird. Had there
0: only been incense, it had been like the perfect setup for like, almost, uh, <laughs> like a sitcom. I think – so I think what I needed, and this might be what your husband needs more than anything, to be honest, is I think you need to recognize that other people have gone through this. They've survived. They've come out the other end, and that there's hope, right? I mean, that's sort of what the whole – basis of this show is about and this this ministry i guess is about realizing that at some point you're gonna make it out the other end you're not gonna be the same you're not you're gonna it's messy you don't know how you're gonna get there but you're gonna come out the other end hopefully a better person uh not the way you want to become but i think that's some you know i think i hope that you your goal in life is to become a better person by the end of your life but uh anyway i think you know for me the, the most you don't even need to talk in these small sport groups which is nice you just say just go and just sit there. Don't say a word because most of them, aren't going to, if they're forcing you to talk, then it's not the right group. I don't think you should not be able to force to say things that you're to like open up if you don't want to open up. Right. But I think just seeing other people, seeing other men who are crying or feeling lousy or talking about how, you know, no one, none of my friends remember my son or whatever it might be. There's, it's a, there's a good chance that, yeah, those people aren't going to know your son. I mean, Well, yeah. they, in fact, they won't, they, for they sure. Won't. You won't. might tell them about him, and they'll sort of understand, but they're not going to ever know what he was like and what he sounded like and how he laughed and all those sorts of things, the things that you remember and that were important to you and that are more important now than they were even at the time when you, he was there with you. But just knowing that people struggle with the same things, they miss those same things that you miss. They don't know your son, but they have all the same, you know, human problems that, that you do. It will be tremendously helpful. And I think that was the... I mean, aside from the initial thing where people was talking about how, oh, yeah, I'm sad 10 years later, I'm like, oh, my, this is the worst thing ever. This is yeah. even worse than I thought it was going to be. Then you realize, well, they're sitting here talking to me, so they're probably going to survive. They they obviously survived, and they you know came out the other end. Um, so I think that, for me, is the most useful thing. So it's actually just recognizing that other people have gone through it and can get through it. I, I think that would... So I think the way you sell it is, say... Come to me with a support group. And therapist is probably not the way, right? Because it's a small group. You're probably expected yeah. to talk, and that's probably not the right place. But if you go to like a semi-large support group, say, look, just sit down. I might talk, but you're, you don't have to talk. You just sit there and listen, and there are other, and make sure there are other men who he can sort of relate to in some way, and hopefully some of those men talk, or like one or two of them. Really, you need like one. Uh, and then he'll, you know, I, I'm not saying it will fix things, but it might help him realize that, yeah, you know, maybe he'll... Say something. I mean, it, you would be surprised, I think, because I did not really go there expecting to talk much. I don't think you were doing – they're
1: expecting to talk at all. No. I think you expected me to talk.
0: <coughs> she talks a lot. You talk more. Than that. I but, mean, I talk a lot, but not about those sorts of things. So No,
1: but you expected me to, and then
0: I couldn't. Yeah, you were pretty useless. You're, you're hopeless. No, I was. Yeah, I, had I was. Of, he did I had everything. Story. I had to I, do all the work. Yeah. <laughs> No, I don't, don't do that to like ambush him, but I say, well, I'm just gonna, not going to say anything. I'll just kind of leave my drive. But, um, I don't know. That's part of marriage too. Like, you know, you probably shut up, but you can't do stuff. And so obviously you could do that. Then it's so, like, well, I guess I've got to just tell the story and maybe it's easier for me because I'm not quite as emotional about this stuff. Um, I mean, obviously it was, but it wasn't, you know, I was able to get through it, I suppose. So I don't know. I mean, I, that would be my suggestion. Uh,
1: it, yeah, I, th- that support group's
0: easier than therapists I,
1: and, 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 and I with, think with men They're and i men there too. Eh, right, and you have to have other men there. The other thing is um, when, you know, we tried that therapist once and we stopped. We went to the support group instead. And you've never wanted to do a ther- go to a therapist nope. ever. But <laughs> that being said. Secrets. Don't give away the secrets. <laughs> I know. Here's Eric's secret. Here's Eric's dirty little secret that he doesn't relate to people is that one of his best friends – is a social worker who specializes in PTSD and grief. Who's uh he was in Afghanistan. He's a vet from Afghanistan. So he's really good at this. And he would call Eric up and ask him to go on a walk. And he would go on a walk with Eric. And I think it was really kind of therapy, but he didn't ever call it therapy. And Eric never called it therapy. He would just be like, I'm going on a walk with Ben. And I would be like, okay. He's getting his therapy, but he didn't know it was that. Clearly not every grieving dad has a man in their life who's a friend who's also a professional therapist. Um, but, you know, if you do can find someone that feels more okay opening up to, gosh, that'd be great. I mean, for sure. I've had some people call, you know, ask if they can talk. They can have somebody talk to you, you know, because you're a guy and you've been there, and maybe they can talk to you and open up a little bit. Just had one recently reach out again. Oh, so.
0: yeah. Well, I mean, I'm, <clears throat> I mean, I'm much more open than I used to be about that sort of stuff, and uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, it, it's, as I've been very blessed to have some friends who've been helpful, and, and I don't know that every guy has that, and so I think that's. That's a problem. I think most men in general have pretty small social circles, and it's uh, very—you know—they're more defined by certain things. Like, this is a guy I go to golf with, but that's—you know—I'm not out there talking. I'm talking business maybe, but I'm not talking about other stuff. Now, when you're on the golf course, you get to know someone. You can eventually talk about other things, but they have to be comfortable with that too. And you never know if you can approach that subject, et cetera, et cetera. And so, I had a friend who, yeah, that's what he does. But he's also not uncomfortable talking about those things. Like, he's yeah. comfortable talking about all kinds of things. And so for him, he's like, yeah, well, I mean, we could talk about the weather, but clearly that's not, like, on your mind. So let's just talk about whatever. And he, and it was safe, you know, we just, and honestly, I, I was doing something. Like, sitting in your yeah. room, just like, it it becomes like a... It, it was a much better mask. doing this on a walk. Yeah, because you're out doing, you're walking and, I don't know, we talked, and we didn't we really just talk about Andy. We talked about all sorts of things. It's not just that. You know his business and other things too so it's just like but that was always a, t- a subject and a topic that was always there you know sometimes how you doing okay and we just talk about something else but and we still we still meet from time to time but uh yeah i mean if you have someone if he has someone helpful but probably i think getting to the a support group where he's comfortable talking about it and and then he's like okay the person is not going to run away yeah right the, the other issue of course
1: is there aren't a lot of parent support groups out there I mean we feel we're very blessed to have one here but it's not that there is one everywhere either um that a guy can go to it's yeah
0: uh, but there might be ones too even honestly if you even went to one where uh, you know just a general grief one with talking about spouses it's different I get it yeah but even that you know recognize other guys get sad and they have you know they lose their spouse or something like that I don't know. That might be helpful too, if that's your next option. You know, I don't know. That that'd be my suggestion if you can find that sort of thing.
1: Yeah, if you can find a couple.
0: You can know, always move to Grand Rapids and <laughs> and go to the support groups here. I guess. Because yeah. I think it definitely helps in person too. I think it'd be def- difficult to do online, but maybe it's possible.
1: Yeah, yeah. You you're gonna need to run a run one a virtual one through me. What what would you do if we did one together? What would you say?
0: I have no idea. <laughs>
1: putting him on the spot here (laughs) because i've i've had some people ask um can men come to my support group that i do through starlight and the answer had always been sort of yes but it's but it's not the way it's been the virtual group has always just been women which is interesting because the group here in grand rapids is both and it's not even more women than men there are there are a lot of couples there were some moms by themselves and there were some dads by themselves. So
0: about 60, 40, I
1: would say, yeah, Yeah. I would
0: say 60, 40.
1: There would, I remembering one or two men that came by themselves and probably more like four or five women. And then the rest were couples. So yeah, I think 60, 40 is probably a pretty safe estimate. Uh, But it wasn't rare for men to go. And that's, been sort of a sad thing about the virtual support group that we've had so far and it's just been moms. I mean there's something special about that too but I I, I don't feel like we're helping the dads very much in that.
0: They probably would not be feel comfortable in that group. No they wouldn't feel best. comfortable in that yeah.
1: group. Huh? It, it's almost like you need a separate dad's one. Yeah. Oh. I know. We'll see how many emails I get now <laughs> asking Eric to run one. He already has two podcasts, you know. He has a uh, he now, pretty much. He's not doing his medical one so much anymore. He's doing a one on Michigan State basketball. See, you've done one podcast. You need to get back up to doing up to another thing. To, yeah, I mean, yeah. it's not really the podcast; it'd just be a support group. But if you could, you know, talk to other dads, I don't
0: know. Yeah. It's hard. I, you know, if you actually had ten people who signed up who wanted to do it, I probably could do it for a little bit. I have no idea how I I'd do it. I don't think I'd be any good at it. But, <laughs> but. Um, <laughs> I mean, I am comfortable talking to people about death and grieving, I suppose. So I don't know. Maybe that's all you. I don't. There's. No, I have no degree in it, so.
1: I I know, but it's. it's I'm hard. An
0: anesthesiologist. I just, all I everyone I know. take care of, they're sleeping. You just. I don't put talk them to them. Sleep. I mean, I talk to them for just a few minutes, and then they fall asleep. So.
1: Yep. Yep. I got it. Okay.
0: Do you have another one? That's a good question. Oh, yeah. So just from uh, Stephanie, uh, do you? So this is for Mercy. Uh, do you sometimes find it uncomfortable living with such a perfect man? <laughs>
1: <laughs> that is not a question. No, go ahead. Go, you have another question. No.
0: Do you have a question? No, I was no, I didn't. I didn't get any. I was really disappointed. I thought you told shirt, me that you had two. That was my second one. Which was a fake one. <laughs> Your second one was a fake one. I yeah. I was. Oh. You, must, you are obviously an open book on the show. I know which is that's a, great, a testament to who you are and how you. Um, you know, you're. I mean, to be that open on this, it's for people like, yeah, I kind of know everything. I need to know I know. Better. There's nothing they else. They kind of do. So
1: I'm not, I don't hide much here. I hide nothing, to be honest. Okay. Um, next question, and last, you know actually. You she dodged it's... the question, too, but go, go ahead, Mercy. <laughs> yeah, I totally dodged that question. So, um, we have, the last questions are from Sheila, and there are, um quite a few here and I'm just going to read them all because they're all related. How do you stop asking why? Why my child? Why did he have to suffer? Why did he have to die? Why do so many bad people get to live? Why does my family have to suffer so much? I just keep going back to those questions even though there are no answers.
0: Well, I think you answered the question by saying there are no answers. I didn't answer. That's what she wrote. No, I know. But, I mean, no, I mean, I'm I'm answering the the questions by saying there is no, I mean, there are no good answers. This is the, I mean, I struggle with this all the time. Like, why this happened to us? I mean, it's it's not fair. Why did it happen to Andy? Why can't he be around and, you know, he should be in college right now or, you know, doing something else? It drives you crazy. I mean, I, I, this is the thing I struggle, you know, and I and I feel, you know, when I go to, the, and I always mention Bible study, and it's not it, because I I'm forced to address these sort of questions and problems in sort of life, you know, and and the, the I think I think the thing that is hardest for me to, to handle is justice. I'm kind of a judgy person, in you know, <laughs> I'm right? Sorry, I'm laughing. It's, he it's really it's, is it's totally is true, kind and I do my best to try to try and temper that. Yeah, and I'm much, I'm pretty good at it, but sometimes it's it's very hard for me, and so it it so for me it's always. Um, it's hard letting go of just not judgment but letting go of justice because you can't really control much of anything and you think you're in control but you really aren't you have to really surrender to your I guess helplessness in so many ways and in fixing almost any situation especially as a man you're really expected to have or you expect at least of yourself to solve problems to fix things and when you can't it's really it really bothers you, and especially something that happened that you, you know, could you have done this or that or the other thing. But it doesn't matter because you know it already happened. Yeah. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I drive and I'm thinking to myself, make sure everyone's sitting up straight. Had I only made sure Andy was sitting up straight, maybe the seatbelt would have worked. Yep. I can't tell you how many times I I tell myself that. Almost every time I'm driving.
1: And well, I, the other day we were driving the car and Peter was kind of slouching and you I know. sort of snapped at him and said, sit up. Up, you you can't sit like that. Sit up. Um, So and or and of course we all knew why he said it. Yeah. Right.
0: Well, right. I look in the rearview mirror more when I stop and I think about all these things and so things that you can you know try and fix. But you know I don't think there's any. And I think if you were to ever stop asking the question why, I think I think there'd be something wrong with you too. I think I think that is a natural sort of feeling. I think the thing you have to you have to be be okay with is is realize you can ask why but to not ever expect to know why. And I think that's the heart. it's hard, but I think, I mean, you know, by your questions, you know that that's gonna plague you forever. Um, But you just have to be comfortable with that, whatever it is, and whatever the reasons these things happen, I mean, I'm not sure where your faith is, um, but I'm much more comfortable knowing that justice, whatever that should be, will be done. I know that I'm very flawed person. I know that when it comes to, well, you know, sinning or doing the wrong thing. I mean, I do all, I'm pretty lousy. And so it's very easy for me to pass judgment. And that's why, like, you know, when the accident happened, I was, I could easily see myself have done, do, done the same thing. Like, have I ever been distracted in the car driving? I could see that. And I can imagine how horrible would be and feel. And I mean, I feel terrible even though I really didn't do anything wrong. I mean, maybe I could have, you know, watched out for someone behind me. Maybe I could have made sure Andy wasn't slumping the. The seat. I mean, there are things you can always imagine you could have done differently. But but I can – but anyway, I just – ultimately, I think you can't know why. You can't expect to know why. It's good that you ask why, but I think you have to at some point accept – however you, it's best for you to accept is that you won't know and that you just have to be okay with that. I don't know. That's a, I made this a very unsatisfying answer.
1: Well, yeah, I mean – Certainly it is unsatisfying, but like you said, there's no, there's no answer. And, and sometimes that's more deflating than others. I would say some days,
0: mm-hmm.
1: yeah, you know, like some days I could have read that question and not completely broken down in tears. Today is not one of those days, right? Today, I, I mean, the other problem is today I, uh, right before this, I was at a baby shower a baby shower and of course now we're days before Andy's birthday and what do I think about? I think about baby Andy and what I was thinking about and my hopes and dreams and how I never thought in a million years that here I would be 19 years later you know having to live this without him like this it's just it's just wrong and that's, that's the whole thing when you ask those questions yeah. it's, it, the, the problem is, is you know it's wrong yep, and everything about it is wrong and you just kids aren't supposed to die before their parents that's it that's wrong and when you ask why for a question when you clearly know the answer is, just, that is wrong it makes it more difficult
0: right it's uh, it's why you struggle with I mean you can tell yourself well you know eventually everyone leaves this world you know but doesn't make it any easier doesn't make it why does it have to this in this order um, I don't know I mean I I wish this is a, the, the deep theological question <laughs> but I think ultimately keep asking that question keep trying to be better keep trying to help others and you know if you can help someone else's pain and uh, and recognize you know that you can at least make some meaning right I think that's a lot of what we're what we do with these scholarship funds and all this kind of stuff and I know I listen to your show and there are people write books and they set up funds to help kids with cancer and all sorts of really amazing things to sort of harness that that grief you have and sort of channel it to something productive that's helpful to others because you know what they're going through and, you know whether it's running a support group or whether it's just talking to a friend and telling them that yeah i've been there i think that's really all we can do as people and i think you know i think is that a good reason why it happened no but oh. but it's maybe i mean at least something is it maybe it is why in some ways but it's not the only reason i don't know i mean you can oh why but not the why maybe yeah it's just you know it it Again, it's not sad, it's not satisfying answer. It's not one that I can that I can know. You can't you could never know that sort of thing. But I think I I feel it. I ask that a question all the time. You know, why does this have to happen? So stupid! I can't have Andy here to go do whatever X Y Z. Can't go to vacation with us. He can't go. I can't. You know, I want trip to the final four. I should have had two kids there, not with just one. Although he was in college, so we could have <coughs> we could have laughed at him because he got class instead of us going. to. But you know, those sorts of things. I mean, those that sort of thing should. just not it's not right and I don't have a good reason for why except you know like all of us we just have to keep going and it's
1: you know I don't want to get back to talk a little bit more about what Eric said that you know you want to try to find a little bit of purpose and I recently had a guest on um that was Locke's mom and if you remember she's got Locke's legacy and the big thing that she said that really stuck with me is that now that the things that she're do, she's doing and the things that we're doing to try to honor Andy and remember Andy and it's you have to try to think of it as we are are doing these things because Andy lived and not because Andy died and that's a big um difference right If you start to think like, oh, we're having this scholarship and we have this concert and we planted this tree and it's all because Andy died. Well, that's pretty somber kind of thinking and really makes you kind of feel even more sad. But if you now instead think of it as, well, we're doing all of this stuff to celebrate because Andy lived and to show people what a great kid he was well it's a little bit better and it doesn't help with the why exactly but I do like to think of it that way
0: yeah I mean I think you know we loved Andy we did still do we still still do
1: do. I can't even say did and the only way I can express I love him so much
0: right and the only way you can express your love to him now is by spreading that love to others by whatever way you can and I think that's just you know (laughs) And if we can give some scholarship money so we help a kid, you know, go to
1: college, great. I mean, we did that because Andy lived. So, I don't know. I, I unfortunately really don't have any other questions to go through. And you clearly don't.
0: (laughs) I can make up some fake ones, but I don't think Yeah,
1: I don't. (laughs) They're about how perfect you are. You please don't. But... (laughs) Uh, I don't know. Do you have any other things you want to talk about?
0: No, I. Boy, I'm struck by the the guys who are having trouble, you know. And I, I don't know. I. I just hope that people look for help, you know, if you need it. I don't know. I think that's that's a real problem sometimes. That that's why I mean, Australia's been great, and I you know recommend people go here locally who need help. But uh, yeah, I think I think the hardest thing is to try and force people to do things they don't want to do. You feel. You feel compelled. And also, I think, you know, you usually get pulled in like, well, will this work for me? And so this will work for you and yeah not. And I think yep. that's, that is for sure true. And well, so. And we, let's we,
1: even go back to Starlight for an example. Some We're going to go back to Starlight to that very first week. We went to Starlight. It was great for you. Okay. To be honest, it was kind of torture for me. The whole time I kept screaming in my head. You don't belong here. You're not one of these people. Andy's fine. This is not you. I did, I just desperately did not want to be one of those people whose child had died. And of course I was. You know, it had happened three weeks ago before. So, I mean, that's why I was just still in such shock. I was in a huge amount of denial. The kids went, had a terrible time, both of them. Okay. It was not good for anybody. We left. We're in the car. We get home. Both kids said to me, I don't want to go back. And I said, and and we're in the car on the way, and I'm thinking to myself, I don't want to go back. And Eric said, well, that was great. <laughs> he actually said that was great. I don't know if you remember saying that was great, but it was, so, it was so striking to me because for me at that moment, it was not great. And then the kids each came up. to I think we were all just sitting there. He said it was great. Nobody else said anything. We get in there. Each one of them said to me, I don't think I want to go back. I'm really not sure I want to go back. And I said, well, your dad thought it was great. So we're all going back. Um, Jerk. (laughs) And, you know, week two, we had to tell our stories. And I fled halfway through. Didn't even make it through the whole session before I had to run out of the room. Left me by myself. Left him by himself. Mm -hmm. Um, By week three, though... I was really pretty involved. Um, Peter, on the other hand, never really fit with his group. But the biggest problem is there were only a couple other boys in that middle school group. And they both had lost their dads. They had, um, not to throw Stephanie's uh, girls under the bus at all, but Stephanie's has, you know, quadruplet daughters, one of whom died. So there were three you know, 13-year-old girls in there with him who had lost their sister. Uh, But, you know, he's he's 12 years old. He's, like, scared of girls pretty much still. And there they were. And he just didn't feel like anybody could relate to what he was going through, right? That he lost his best friend, a brother. It just didn't work for him. Um, My daughter ended up really getting a lot out of it in the high school group. Ended up the next session, she brought a friend whose mom had died. Uh, because Starlight, it's it. Just to explain what it is, is they've got parent groups, they've got groups for losing your spouse, and then the kids groups are all intermixed. So they've lost siblings or a parent. So it's just by age, it's not by type of loss because that would just be too, too much. If it got
0: big enough, maybe. I mean, yeah,
1: maybe if, it, if got it got big enough, but enough, it's but... just not big enough. Right. Um. So anyway, they're, they're more, I think it's still good because it's for their developmental age, but I just bring that back up because sometimes you do things that you feel like aren't the most comfortable for you just because it's helpful for somebody else. And then it turns out if you give it enough time, it's pretty great. I mean, look at me now. Now I run the support group for Starlight. I am so invested in Starlight. I love Starlight. And, you know, it was great for my daughter. And I feel like in a different group, it actually would have been great for my son. And my son kept going to therapy and was at a, with a therapist every single week. So we weren't feeling like he wasn't getting help. He was definitely getting help. And he was going to soccer during those times when we the rest of us were going to support groups. So it wasn't, I mean, he he got the help he needed. He just needed it more one-on-one and felt uncomfortable in a group. Yeah. You didn't want it one-on-one and felt way more comfortable in a group. So it does go back to what your personality is like and what's helpful to you.
0: Sure, yeah. I mean, yeah, boy, you make it sound like a weighted blanket. Like I didn't like it at all and now I'm kind of like used to it and it's kind of comfortable.
1: Well, maybe <laughs> yes we poor Eric has to sleep with a weighted blanket because I just not did not something sleep I wanted,
0: but you wanted it and so I did, I did because something. it was now, now kind of like, yeah, not bad
1: <laughs> because I couldn't sleep after Andy died I just couldn't sleep and so they were suggesting I had it suggested this weighted blanket and poor Eric is under this huge weighted blanket and not happy about it at all but but you did it anyway yeah. and now you're so, used to it right it doesn't even really bother you
0: it, it's sometimes trying to get out of bed i don't know why i think i need to get out of bed quickly but apparently it's always it always surprises me that i can't get out quickly because i'm like trying to move the covers and they weigh weight you know 30 pounds or something but um yeah i don't have any parting thoughts except just to say that i think you know what you're doing here is great i hope i hope everyone finds value with this i think obviously they do they listen to it and what you've done is really amazing and i'm really proud of you and um, well,
1: but again, that goes back to you pressuring me in some ways, and something that I didn't think I really
0: wanted I'm really to. Not do. Very, I'm really not a very nice person. <laughs> I'm really forcing you out of comfort zone.
1: But I think that's good. I mean, it's really good that you forced me out of my.